I have a dear friend who is a professor at the Hartman Institute. His name is Dr. Micha Goodman. And he shared a story with me that I'd like to share with you. He was on vacation with his wife, and he hadn't turned his cell phone on for a few days. This was in 2006. And he turned his cell phone on, and only to find out that he had 49 voicemail messages. As he started listening to the voicemail messages, he heard instantly that his commander of his unit in the army, of which he was in the reserves, was calling him, saying, Micha, you need to come back to service. And he was calling about every 45 minutes to an hour, and he was away in Europe. And instantly after he heard the first message and the second message and the third message, he knew what was going on. He logged onto the computer and found out that indeed Israel was in a time of conflict, a time of war. This was the beginning of the Second Lebanon War after two Israeli soldiers were taken captive, Udi Goldwasser and Eldad Regev. And immediately following this act of terror by Hezbollah, Israel entered Lebanon and began the Second Lebanon War. Micha flew back from Europe, joined up with his base, and within a few short days, as sadly, or perhaps blessedly, most conflicts are in Israel. They had started to wind down. The impact had been made, and there was transition already at this point to pulling the troops out of Lebanon because we had done enough damage to Hezbollah to set them back at this point. And sadly, we had lost too many troops. So Micha and two of his friends were stationed near the north, close to Lebanon, and they had a unique task, which everyone in the army has to do some grunt work. Their job was to sit with piles of materials that lovers of Zion had sent to Israel to support the troops. From toiletries to chocolates to letters of support and love. And they had to divide them so that toothpaste and toothbrushes and socks and comic books and chocolate bars with nuts and chocolate bars without nuts all went into appropriate boxes. And Micha is in the middle of separating all of these goods in what is kind of a mindless act for a professor of Bible and philosophy. And he's going through all of them and putting them all away and looking at different notes and letters that were safety pinned to socks or to Colgate toothpaste, one that says, we love you, and one that says, we stand with you, Israel. And Micha stopped in the middle of, after doing this work for two days, just stopped and began to cry. And his friend said to him, you know, what's wrong with you? This is just toothpaste. It's nothing worthy of tears. And Micha said, for the first time in my life, I realized I'm not fighting in a war on behalf of Israel. I'm fighting in a war on behalf of the Jewish people. And for the first time in his life, he realized that wearing the IDF uniform didn't mean he was only defending a land. It meant that he was also defending a people. And this is a brilliant teacher who understands and can decode Bible and philosophy like no other. But to try and decode the difference between a land and a people is a very hard task. But to see that love come in from all of these different streams and to embrace random and unknown people just because of what their task was, from Jews and Gentiles alike, believers and non-believers, was an act 
that caused Micha to realize that when he defends the land of Israel, he's defending much more than the land. He's defending people who love Zion everywhere. I spent this last week in Israel during what is my favorite time of year to be there. There is no time like being in Israel during Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaTzma'ut. What is Israel's national day of remembrance for its fallen soldiers and immediately followed by its celebratory day of its independence in which Israel celebrated its 66th birthday. The day begins with incredible juxtaposition, a juxtaposition of memory where 23,169 soldiers are mourned. 23,169. What's so fascinating to me is how that number is so exact. It's not rounded in any way. Each of them has a story, a name, a family, a grave, and each of them are remembered. But what's interesting is how Yom HaZikaron actually began. Yom HaZikaron did not begin as a day that was supposed to be in front of Israel's day of declaration of independence. But on the actual day of May 13, 1948, a Thursday, there was a group of 129 fighters that were from a kibbutz called Kibbutz Kfar Etzion, which was in the Gush, just south of Jerusalem, in what is now part of the West Bank. They were fighting against other Jordanians in the Arab League for their right for what they knew was going to be settled land. And on this day, May 13, 1948, there was a horrible massacre. And all 129 of these pioneers, of these Halutzim, were murdered. Murdered by the Jordanians, killed and massacred. And it's told that many of them, upon surrendering to the Jordanians with their hands up, were killed as well in that process. On the next day, knowing that would be the day of declaration of independence because the British mandate would expire, David Ben-Gurion was tasked at 4 o'clock, 4 o'clock, to declare the independence of the State of Israel. When he and all of his cabinet, from Golda Meir and Moshe Sharet, Jabotinsky and others, were all there, they knew of all of these chalutzim, of all of these pioneers, that had lost their life. For them, what was supposed to be a day of euphoria, what was supposed to be a day of celebration, what was supposed to be a day of great redemption, the beginning of our return, was really a bittersweet day. Because when this proclamation was made, all who were part of the inside knew that 129 of these fierce fighters were massacred by the Jordanians. And this is the reason why, at its genesis, a year later, when it came time to remember the anniversary of the Declaration of Independence on Hay Be'er, the 5th of Be'er, the day before on Dalad Be'er, they memorialized those that were killed on their yard site. And it became a tradition that the day before Yom Ma'ut, the day before Israel's day of independence, would be a day of memory. And they married the idea that if it weren't for these pioneers, if it weren't for these fighters, 
we would never have an independence in which to celebrate. And if you're there on these days that bleed one into the other, a day where the entire country stops, whether you're on the highway or in the marketplace, whether you're at a school or you're on a hike, an alarm goes off in the evening and in the morning. And children and adults of all ages and backgrounds stand at attention for two minutes in total silence. And then when night falls and Yom Ma'ut, the fifth of Iyar, comes, it is indeed a day of euphoria, a day beyond description, a day where men and women and children of all ages dance on the streets of Jerusalem with silly string, with sounds, with rubber hammers and enjoying and frolicking in what is their freedom and their independence. When just before, we were wiping off our tears of memory. These two juxtapositions, these two very different feelings, emotions and ideas are so similar of what it is in the juxtaposition of fighting for a land and fighting for a people. But the country is really full of juxtapositions, both in its location and in its very existence. This week we met with the defense minister of Israel, Moshe Yalon, and he said the same expression, that if you looked from the sky in a bird's eye view of Israel, you will see countries surrounding that are imploding. Whether it's Syria that is coming up on a quarter of a million people who have been killed and massacred there in an internal civil war. On Egypt, which has sentenced thousands of people to die just because of an allegiance or a loyalty and has no sense of economy. Yemen and Libya and the list goes on of all of these imploding countries. And in the middle of all of it, is a democracy. A democracy with a booming economy, with a strong infrastructure, a democracy where men and women are created equal, with equal rights and values, and a place that is Ered Zavad Chalav a place indeed flowing with milk, honey, and opportunity. Every year on Yom Ma'ut, when the celebration begins, in the middle of Har Herzl, the middle of the National Military Cemetery, there is a theme for the year. And for the year of 66, the theme was women. There were 12 women on behalf of the 12 tribes of Israel, each recognized for a different role that they had in society. Of these 12 women, one was an Arab woman who was not Jewish, but Muslim, who was recognized for her contributions to society and those who are not of the Jewish faith in Israel. There were two who were ultra-Orthodox, including the daughter of one of the chief rabbis of Israel, Ovadja Yosef, who died this past year. There were two athletes, one Shachar Pe'er, one of the leading tennis players in the world, and the other one who is a gold medalist in the Paralympics. There was someone from MIT who was a valedictorian of her class who was Israeli, an Ethiopian woman, and a general in the Israeli Defense Forces. All women. What an incredible and powerful statement on behalf of our country. When meanwhile, in all of the neighboring countries to the north and the south and to the east, these countries will not allow women 
a place in government, a place to vote. In some places, they can't even drive. And here, in this very place, women had an incredible role and were recognized with the year dedicated to their leadership. In fact, the delegation in which I was a part of started their trip in Poland and came from marching in Auschwitz with Israeli soldiers to flying into Israel. And the group flew on an Israeli plane, a cargo plane, that can be used as a refueling jet and to bring cargo. And the pilot of that plane that flew the delegation was a female IDF fighter pilot. She flew the 707 into Israel and landed it. What an incredible juxtaposition from the neighbors around it. And there, as those 12 women were being recognized, only yards, yards away, was the grave of Golda Meir, someone who was the prime minister of this country in 1968, when the women's movement was still just on its incline. She was the prime minister of this country. And standing close to her, alive today, was Dalia Itzik, the first speaker of the Knesset, who is a woman who's currently running for the role of president of the state of Israel. The juxtaposition furthered. It went a little far farther because on Yom Ha'atzmaut day after this celebration, we went to an intelligence base and I was speaking over lunch with some of the intelligence officers and I asked them, what is your life like? What do you do here on the base? And most of them are computer geniuses with above average IQs. And they have figured out ways, without any details that I know, and I can't share any of those with you, of infiltrating into the enemy's phone systems and computer systems so that they can thwart terrorist attacks. They basically are using their incredible bug-like eye to get into text messages between different terrorists. And a 19-year-old said to me, it's a really weird world that we live in because on any given day, we can talk to our commanding officer and we can thwart a terrorist attack. And on that same day, I can get detention because I didn't shave. <laughs> and I thought for a minute, that is an incredible juxtaposition that lives on the responsibility and the shoulders of these young men and these women. The next day we went to an elite unit the Navy SEALs of the Israeli army called Duvdivan, which literally means cherry, but it was a very top secret unit that no one knew about for 12 years. And then it was released to the public to try and, um, and hinder those who sought against them. They are a commando unit, a SWAT unit that takes out the threat. So when you take the intelligence information and you share this with the Duvdivan unit, they're the one that actually execute removing that particular terrorist or the particular threat that exists, the person. And we watch them demonstrate four different routines that they do from breaching a room to taking a terrorist off the street as he's hanging out with his friends. And as we were talking with these soldiers, the responsibility of the 19 and 20 year olds that sit on their shoulders, the quickness in which they move, and also at the very same time, the responsibility they have one to the other and how each of them has a role one to the other for looking out is uncanny. But at that very same time, at that very same time, when they talk with us over lunch, 
They shared with us of how they spend their breaks when they're off duty and who they're going to go out with on that Saturday night. And you realized in that moment that they had the responsibilities of those who had nations and then they have the responsibilities of teenagers at the very same moment. And then was one of the most exciting and thrilling parts of this quick trip was when we were on an airbase in an underground bunker of where they hide airplanes that can, from the bird's eye, look like it's just grass, but it's actually hangars for F-15s and F-16s. And there stood in an office some pilots who were unready should there be an alarm that goes off, and indeed there was a test alarm that went off. And in four minutes, from the time of his office 200 yards away, he was airborne in his F-15. He came running down in a car that has the keys in it, boarded the plane, lit up the engines with the flight deck, and was in the air within four minutes. And this group told us that at four times this year, these were not drills. Two of them, there were unmanned aircraft, drones, that were doing reconnaissance within Israel that they had to shoot down. So these were real drills in which they prepare for each and every day. And then, at that very same time, when they're sharing with us all of these responsibilities that live on their shoulders, from flying these cargo jets to the fighter planes in four minutes being airborne, for the real threats that surround them each place and in everywhere, we see generals and privates those who are responsible for taxing and towing airplanes and those who are responsible for flying them and those who are responsible for giving the orders for those who fly them, eating meals together and playing jokes with each other and engaging with each other. One of the members of our trip said, in America, this would never happen this way. America, generals would never eat with privates and sergeants. There would always be a differentiation. And the brigadier general said to us, but the privates are people too? and they're smart, and they have ideas that we can learn from. And if we don't learn to live with each other and love with each other, we can't always protect each other the way that we need to. An incredible juxtaposition that lives in that role as well. Juxtaposition of a desert that is blowing, a desert that is growing and blooming, that in this very desert, that's just 66 years young, this little strip of land came so many advances to the world that you and I appreciate. Whether it was an invention 40 years ago of cherry tomatoes that came out of the Gaza Strip, or the idea of drip irrigation or hydroponics that was brought to birth to the world, where else but Israel. Or the idea that the very first flash drive that all of us walk around with in keychains and use to take pictures or things from one computer to another is from Israel. Or that any computer, regardless of who makes it, has an Intel chip inside that was produced in Israel. That cell phones were created in Israel. Medical advances from the pill cam to many of the leading technologies in the advancement in the fight against cancer and in paralysis happening in Israel. Firewalls and instant messaging and texting and so many others happening in Israel. And Israel was the only country in the entire world that entered the next century, the 21st century, with the net gain in the amount of trees it had in this country, when every other country in the world had a net loss. This technology, this creativity, this startup nation, surrounded in that desert, 
with just hope and dream is an inspiration and a real orla goyim, a light to other nations. When we met with the Prime Minister with our delegation, he said that while so many in the United Nations look to condemn us, and so many of our neighbors refuse to recognize us or our right to exist, and the Palestinians won't even declare us the right to have any portion of land. Countries from Singapore to Thailand to Greenland to Argentina to Brazil to Venezuela to Panama to China, and the list goes on. They're looking for three things, he said, from Israel, and they want it desperately and badly. Israeli technology, Israeli technology, and Israeli technology. Whether it's for their agriculture or for their computers, they're all coming to Israel to grow. In this week's Torah portion, we learn about Har Sinai, Mount Sinai. It was supposedly chosen, we're told, in the Talmud because it's a low mountain, not the highest mountain in the region. And when I was in rabbinical school, I went to Egypt and I climbed what is by legend, supposed to be Mount Sinai. Wasn't the hardest climb of my life. And when we got to the apex of what we believed to be Mount Sinai, we got to the top, we realized there were many other taller mountains around us. But the reason why this mountain was chosen by God, the Talmud tells us, is because it was a humble mountain. It was a low mountain. And it tells us that if we invert the words from Sinai to Sina, we get the juxtaposition of what it is to be part of humility, versus part of sin. And it depends on how we tilt the scales to which side we go on. There's a fine line between that humility and that level of sin at times. But we should always seek to tilt ourselves in a way that brings us to Sinai and not to Sina. Israel is a country that finds itself in the balance, in juxtaposition between all of these different feelings and emotions in which I've articulated from army bases and people who are thwarting terrorist attacks but not shaving and getting detention for it, to those who also realize the difference and the juxtaposition between the day of memory and a day of celebration and the juxtaposition of role and responsibility from where they find themselves to what their neighbors are doing. And what we have to do each and every day is what the country has succeeded majority of the time upon, and that is always tilting towards being Sinai and not Sinai. Being a nation that helps those that are in pain. Being a nation that provides equal opportunity to the religious and the non-religious, to men and women, and that defends all of those who love democracy. So indeed, that is what we are about. But nothing in Judaism and nothing in our tradition is about one emotion. That's why Yom HaZikaron comes before Yom HaAtzma'ut. Because we can't appreciate the freedom without appreciating the taste and the saltiness of the tears. That's why on Passover, our feast requires us to pour out from our cup. That is why at a wedding, a moment of elation, we break the glass. And that is why on Yom Kippur, the most solemn and reflective day of the year, we end with the proclamation of hope, L'Shana Haba B'Yerushalayim. I think my teacher and my friend, Micha Goodman, was right. Because as I stood on Mount Herzl and what was a majestic evening with all types of fireworks above and celebration in the air and feeling of Higanu, we've reached this moment of 66 years literally surrounding me 
were the graves of soldiers of men and women, some young, some very young, and some old. And as I stood on this mitzpah, on this outlook, and I saw the valley of the righteous and the majestic views that Israel offered, I realized that those views, those trees, those freedoms were all provided by those who were standing near. What a powerful juxtaposition. What is the bitter and the sweet, the stinger and the honey of the words of Naomi Shemer. May we always appreciate the sweetness by the sting in which we have. May we always taste the fruit and the nectar of the sweetness and understand its sweetness from the bitter. And may Israel always be safe and strong and living on the side of Sinai within that juxtaposition. May that be God's will. Let us